You're listening to the Daring to Dream podcast. I'm Callie, the daughter. And I'm Diane, the mom. Thanks for joining us. Welcome back to another episode of the Daring to Dream podcast. Today, we are going to talk about going back to school. Um, We are in the fall. If you've walked through Target anytime recently, you have seen the displays of school supplies. So whether or not you have kids getting ready to go back to school or not, you know that we are in that season. And you either are sending someone back to school or you know someone who is. So we're going to talk about that point in life um, and how to prepare our kids to go back to school and get some wisdom um, from my mom on that topic because she did that a lot more years than I have. So um, we are in that season, mom, and so would you talk a a little bit about raising four kids kind of across two different decades. When you think about getting us ready to go back to school, what comes to mind? Well, one of the big things I learned early on was don't go on vacation when school gets out go on vacation right before school starts really well because if you go right before school starts then the kids remember you went and otherwise (laughs) the teacher goes what did you do this summer and they always say nothing nothing (laughs) (laughs) and it used to drive me crazy I'm like we did this fabulous trip oh yeah So I always thought we need to make sure we do that right before we, we, we never did. But that I, that's my advice to moms. The idea like, in theory sounds good. In theory, it sounds good. Well, Just, our summers were very different than summers are today. I mean, yes. I remember summertime being where we did nothing um, and not in a bad way, but we would go on vacation, but we weren't going to different camps every week. We weren't being entertained every moment of Mm-mm. the day. We certainly did not have screens. I mean, maybe at some point we had an Atari and we could play Frogger. But other than that, I mean, we basically was like, hey, kids, go outside and play and don't come back in until it's time for dinner or whatever it was. Yes. I used to have... Um the one thing screen time that you had was at nine o'clock came little house on the prairie yep and of course we couldn't tape or anything because we didn't have one of those fancy things and um so by nine o'clock you had to be dressed your room had to be cleaned and your bed had to be made and your breakfast had to be ate and then you could watch little house on the prairie for an hour that's right and that was the tv screen time that was your screen time and if you weren't ready to sit down at nine o'clock we weren't turning it on because why would you watch part of a show? Okay, so, so this is a whole different world than what kids will do nowadays. You don't just sit and watch and just go back to the beginning. And No, you, it was a very orderly thing. Okay, so what if one of us wasn't ready yet? Would none of us be able to watch it? I don't remember. No, because they would fill her in. Okay, yeah, we all know who it was. <laughs> Shannon, yes, we would fill her in on what she missed while she was finishing. But you guys are pretty doing. good about it because you would scream at everybody. I would. I, and the, I was developing my leadership skills. <laughs> but so we had routine yeah, uh, in our day. But there was this, okay, now you have to go outside and play. Right. And I literally would lock the door and you wouldn't be able to come back uh-huh. in. Uh, because I really... I find, when I think back on my childhood, I can tell you the things that I did that 
were other people would say, well, you were bored. Well, I probably was bored, right. but I watched, I remember watching, I lived in Iowa, and they had so the, there wasn't much to do. <laughs> there, was, there wasn't nothing to do there. But they had the biggest black ants you ever saw. And I would spend all summer watching these ants and wondering how are they communicating with each other? And they, and you know, they're, how do they carry those big grains of sand? And then, you know, I'd knock down the house that they had worked on so hard and they just go right back to work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think I was learning things through that. It, yeah. it was a simple process. But if somebody had always been orchestrating every minute of my day, right? then I wouldn't have had time to think about those things and do those things. I do think boredom can be a gift because it forces us to do things that maybe we wouldn't have done otherwise. I think about people who are, you know, brilliant on the guitar. Well, sometimes Mm -hmm. that was just out of boredom that they would just be like playing on their guitar as something to do. And when you're constantly being entertained, sometimes those boredom skills, those things that would be developed out of boredom, don't actually happen. Of course, I used to always say my famous thing to you guys was, and my grandkids know it too, only a boring person can be bored. This is true. Because... Your mind should be able to come up with something to do. I don't, you know, um, even if it's sit and watch ants. Or as my one grandchild will say, I know I'm supposed to go twiddle my thumbs. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But there's something you can be doing. Right. Um, Boredom usually means we want to be entertained. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember hearing somebody say, you know, they took their kids to the Grand Canyon and they all looked at it and said, but what does it do? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, we, we just get in this idea of being entertained all the time. And then that's not fair to the teachers. You send them back to school. Right. And they are not used to sitting. Mm. You're, you know, now they're being told to sit in classroom. Right. You know, we, we don't set them up for success yeah by you just letting them be entertained every minute yeah I think I think that's right and I do think you, t- you talked about in the summertime we still had routine and so easing back into a school schedule wasn't quite as much a shock as mm-hmm. if we didn't have routine when I think about going back to school um the first thing that always comes to mind is a song you would sing to us <laughs> every year on the first day of school mm-hmm. um, that said, make new friends, but keep the old. One is silver and the other gold. And, and I say it to you when you start a new job. Yep. Okay, and when, when you move. <laughs> yep. Yep. Make new friends, but keep the old. One is silver, the other gold. And, you know, it, it stuck because you would always reiterate that. Well, my mother used to say that to me. Um and I don't think I really appreciated it as much as until re- recently. Um, I went on this pilgrimage uh, a couple years ago uh, to reconnect with some old friends that they were gold, golden friends. Mm-hmm. And I had kind of let them set them aside for the new shiny silver ones. Well, and life gets busy, right? So and- it's... Sometimes yes. it takes work to stay, keep those friendships going. But, you know, I realized how I needed to reconnect with those people. Yeah. And I'm glad I did. It was it was the right thing to do. And, and um, I found out that they had considered me gold friends, too. And so it was a real healing thing. But, you know, I, I think that's important, especially, like, when your kids go off to – 
college or when they go to high school. It's easy to want to cast aside our childhood friends mm. and for the new shiny one, yeah, the popular one. Though. Right. But this is the person who knew you when. And this is the person that's going to keep you true to who you are because they know that you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing. Right. That's not who you are at that's, your core. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's those childhood friends. Um, they're important. They're, they're important to it. Uh, and I think as parents, I don't think we always realize exactly how important those childhood friends are for our kids. Hmm. And so I think that's good advice going back to school, this idea of cherish those friendships, welcome the new people in mm-hmm. as well. Yes. Don't ostracize them. Um, and I, I just think, I just remember that as being kind of the mantra of going back to school. Now, go ahead. I think that's an important thing, though, as, as parents, is to teach our children how to navigate friendships. And as they are going back to school, to have those conversations about how do you do that. And um, because that's going to carry them the rest of their life. How we deal with our friendships, you know, we're teaching them a life skill there that we don't really think we're doing at the time. Like we'll share and be kind. And, you know, those those are just nice things you say as a parent. But the reality is that's how they're going to treat people the rest of their lives. That's how we teach them. Well, and I've also thought as my kids get older, I have to stop prescribing their friends mm. because there may be people that um, you want your kids to be friends with, mm-hmm. but the friends, but the kid might know more about that friend than you do. Oh, yeah. And I, I do think that's an interesting point where you hit that point of rather than forcing friendships, you got to trust your kids sometimes. And sometimes they know that there's a reason why that friend from church may not be the friend that they actually should be hanging out with. Mm-hmm. Um, or they may pick wrong friends. Yeah, how do you and, handle that? <laughs> well, um, you know, that that's hard. But I think invite those wrong friends over. Yeah. Because I think it will make the kids see it. Yeah. They'll see that this is where my comfort zone and that isn't. And maybe they need to be a good influence on these people, but do it in your home. Yeah. Um, Because your kids are navigating, and they're trying to figure out who they want to be with, what kind of people they want to be with. And it's a hard time. You know, it is a hard time. Yeah. Yeah, good friends are definitely not something to take for granted. I think throughout life that's true. (laughs) Good friends are not. And I think that's something to instill in our kids, too is to, to cherish those good friends. Um, even as life changes and kids' interests change, um, you know, you can still hold on to those friendships. So talking about interests, one of the things I struggle with every year is overcommitment of mm. our schedule, of mm-hmm. going back to school. Um, because all the activities are starting and we want to do them all. Right. How do you navigate that? How did you navigate that as a parent? I mean, you had four kids. Well, there was the year that I put everybody's schedule on the calendar. Yeah. And then I tried to look for times we were all together. Right. And we weren't together. Right. And so I had to make some hard cuts and say, you know what? You are not going to be a professional ballerina. Right. We're going to take some of that off the table. Right. And you know, all down the road, and say, well, we what, 
our priorities are. And, you know, that's not, it's not a one and done thing. You have mm. to keep doing this. Yeah, there's Be- a maintenance component to it. Right. Well, I find that too, because what the dance commitment was when they were five is entirely different than when they are 10. Right. No, it is a totally different thing. And and then you have to always come back to why, what is the purpose? You know, I, again, dance was one of those things. I wanted you guys to be able to feel comfortable on a stage and I wanted you to have good posture that backfired that (laughs) i wasted a whole lot of money no (laughs) sorry mom no but i that was my goal i was never for you to become you know a famous ballerina right that that wasn't it and so i again you have to put in perspective and say so what is the goal yes and And it's so easy to get swept up in those things you do because their best friend's doing it or we've already invested so much money or all these other things and then you have to come back my goal was easy i wanted my kids to be a team Hmm. that was it my my family was a team and if we were all in different places we were losing sight of that yeah that's good and you know i i it's paid off for me now yeah i have a family that sees each other as a team we know we are, we can rely on each other um but it wasn't an easy call at the time. Right. But again, you have to, everyone's family looks different. Everybody's goals for their family is different. I, that was mine. And I, if once I could put it down into one thing, um, it was easier for me to make those decisions. Another thing I think about when I think about going back to school is my sister, when she was going to school, thinking that all you did all day was sit in the blue chair and think about her all yes. day. Well, she's she's four years younger than you. Right. So she had had a life of me running around all day with her because um, I had a car at that time, which I didn't always have a car as a stay-at-home mom, but I did it in her growing up time. And so her and I would go and we'd, you know, go shopping and we would spend time with grandma and we'd, you know, do all these different things. And it was really hard for her to think about going to school and, uh, and leaving me. And I told her, I says, hon, I promise I'm going to sit in this chair all day long and think of you. And she would come home and say, did you sit in the chair? Oh, yes, all day, hon. <laughs> And I just thought about you, you know, all day. <laughs> and but it worked. It worked. It was, you know, what she needed. Right. And every kid has those different needs when we're preparing them to go back to school. Yeah. Another thing that I really remember doing as a parent that I worked for me, and I know it's not possible for everybody, but I remember sitting in the chair when you guys would come home from school, and mm. everyone would empty their backpacks and show me their things one thing at a time. Right. And a, that made sure I got the notes right. that I was supposed to get. And the yucky, rotten peanut butter sandwich gotten taken out. <laughs> yeah, we we missed that in my house. Yeah. So uh-huh, well, yep, we deal with those so things. So I think those th- that really helped. But it also one-on-one got to me to tell you how wonderful you were. You did this. What's the project? When are you going to get it done? Then the next kid would come and I could have that same talk. But it, it helped. Yeah, you kind of had your one-on-ones which with each of your kids where we could relay the conversation of the day. Um, and <coughs> developing that into a rhythm I think is important. And my life looks different because I'm working full-time. Mm-hmm. And so trying to, again, I can't copycat 
the life that we had growing up. But it's kind of the idea of how do you look at the principles and maintain them um, throughout. And, you know, we have differences as well as we all went to private Christian school Mm -hmm. growing up and my kids go to public school. Right. You know, and that was a big decision for us. I mean, you started the Christian school in town. (laughs) Um, And so trying to figure out where our kids would go to school. And I remember having that conversation with my husband and his parents were public school teachers for 40 years in the area and deciding that we were going to give public school a try. And I remember my mother-in-law talking about the importance of discipling your children. Mm -hmm. Because there were things that I was able to get at school as a child as part of my daily life Mm -hmm. that my kids wouldn't get and that her kids didn't get at school, but she was able to raise them to know and love the Lord by intentional discipleship outside of school. And so I just remember that being something of you're taking pieces from your childhood, you know, the way you were raised or the way that your spouse was raised, um, you know, and figure out what are those values and mm-hmm. how do we incorporate those? Like I like you talked about your main goal was for us to be a team mm-hmm. um, rather than us excelling in any individual sport or something like that. That was a primary value. Faith mm-hmm. is a primary value. Now, the way we've gotten to that faith being a primary value might look different, right? It right. Looked, like a Christian school upbringing for me, and it looks different for my kids in public school, but it's a common value. It's just kind of how do we get there? Well, yeah, and we come, you know, you you married somebody, obviously, that came from a different background than you did, and you have to come together. You can't say it's my way or the highway. You know, it's you have to come together and, and decipher it. And see what's important. Yeah. Where, where does the value lie? And then understand your children. I had a friend, and I just marveled at this. Her kids were struggling. She had ended up, and this happened just for one or two years. I don't remember now. But she had one kid in the Christian school. She had one kid in public school. And she homeschooled the other kid. Because that's what each child needed that right. year. And they went on to become very successful adults. Um, But I just marveled at her that she was able to take her children and look at each one individually and say, what is best for each one of my kids? And I think that's an important thing to do, too, because it's easy to to kind of get this herd man mentality. Absolutely. And this is what we all do. This is what we do. And um, it doesn't always work. And, you know, I, I had a little bit of that in that. You know, daughter number three was an introvert when I had two daughters that were extroverts. Yeah. And so, you know, again, I think that's why that coming to the chair and talking about what you was in your book bag, because otherwise she would never get a chance to talk. <laughs> and and that was just a reality. It is true. That's how our dinner table was. Poor, <laughs> poor sister never got a chance to talk. And she used to raise her hand when she wanted to talk. <laughs> you know, it's... But I think you have to look at your kids and say, you know, because the it's you don't want your family to be the survival of the fittest. No, you know, you you the flies. Yeah, yeah, you need you need to look at the ones that are you know, their personality isn't the same, and how can you focus on helping them succeed? Yeah, but you're right. It is easy to like lump everybody together, mm-hmm. especially when they're young. That's easy. We mm-hmm. are all doing this and we are all going here and this is who we are. But as they grow up and develop their unique personalities, 
you know, what, and I think about this for my friends who have sent kids off to college or into Mm -hmm. the workplace, you know, these kids are different and they're wired differently and God has gifted them differently. Right. And how do we begin to differentiate that? Um, And that kind of brings me to uh, another question about it is, okay, school and school expectations, you have kids that learn different. Oh, yeah. And you have kids that complete their homework differently. Yes. And how do you parent those different kids in a way that helps them succeed? I think you have to set your kids up for success. And this starts with before school starts. Um, Before the school year starts? Before the school year starts, yeah. Um, Clean out their room. (laughs) I feel like you were just (laughs) giving me a direct order. (laughs) (laughs) No, if their room is, if their drawers are full of clothes that don't fit them, yeah, then they're not going to get ready on time because they have to keep trying things on. If they don't have a place to put their book bag in their room where they can go find it easily, then they're not going to be out the door when they, if, if they're, you know, if they don't have a plan where the dirty clothes go, the Dirty clothes didn't get washed. Then now they're at PE and they don't have a uniform for it. Right. You know, you're, you, they, you have to set up systems for them to succeed. And it's, that's hard. It is, yeah. And it's hard to maintain the systems. But it's for their own good. You know, my mom used to say, uh, a place for everything and everything in its place. And... She said that to me a lot as a kid, <laughs> and you know. But I really get it now. You know, if if the kid knows where it belongs, right? Then they if they can find their shoes because they know their shoes are over there. Yeah, but my kids know it belongs there, but it doesn't mean it ends up there. Okay, well, can I say I remember a year telling you guys that I was going to drive you near Disney World <laughs> because near enough, near was good enough for you. And, you know, we're not going to go to Disney World, kids. We're just going near it. And, you know, and I, but that's part of that teaching that they've got to learn that near isn't good enough. Yeah, that's good. They have to, they have to. I forgot that one, but now I remember it. Yeah, it's a completion. And then you have to start thinking, you're making them a better spouse someday. Yeah, you really are setting them up for having good systems in life, whether that's at home, at work. Right. And so motherhood will be easier for them because they understand systems. Um, Fatherhood, you know, maintenance on your car is easier when you can find the thing to blow up the tires. (laughs) Whatever it is. Yeah. You know, someone asked me one time, why do you like, you know, to organize things? I said, because I'm lazy. I don't like to look for things. <laughs> I, I just want to know where it belongs. Yeah. And I hadn't thought about that, honestly, as a back-to-school prep. Um, but I think it makes a lot of sense. Like mm-hmm. I think about, okay, we got to go shopping for all the stuff, which was always my favorite mm-hmm. part of back-to-school, right? Going and shopping for school right. supplies, which I will tell you as a parent now sometimes feels overwhelming. I have three lists oh, for yeah. three kids. You know what I've decided? We used to all go together, and I can't do it. It's I take chaos. each kid individually. Otherwise, I, I cannot figure out how many things of glue I need between these three lists. Well, I remember the year that I stopped shopping as everybody, and it was not for school supplies, but it was for clothes. And that was because I had th- three daughters at the time, and one daughter had a wonderful, beautiful shape, and the other one didn't. And one was, <laughs> oh, I look wonderful in this. 
this. And the other one's like, in the other dressing room. And I decided at that time, we can't do this together anymore. And I think, again, you have to kind of read your group and right. say, what's wor- what was working isn't working. Yeah, and I think we have to be flexible, even that, that, okay, we're a team, we do things together. What I've learned is that's actually not best for school supplies, um, is that right. it's better if we don't all do it together. Well, even if you look at a football team, they don't practice everything together. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, they... You they, can still be a team, but still you have still your own be, individual yeah. parts. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think we have to... But, okay, so uh, ideally, I think the room needs to re- be reset mm-hmm. after Christmas, uh, during Christmas break. Yeah. Because it just doesn't last. And the book bag needs to be totally emptied during uh, Christmas yes. break, you know, because... It's, grow. it's really scary what's growing in there. That's so true. And if you wait until the end of the year, it's really bad. So, yeah, if you just stay on, if, if you put, it's kind of like how you're supposed to check your smoke detectors all the time. Yeah, well, yeah, you're yeah. supposed to, I think, other things. It just is easier if you keep it going. So this is one of my big wins for um, school that I think makes a lot, that has helped my life be easier. And it reminded me of this whole idea of cleaning it at Christmas time is kids bring home a lot of papers. Oh yeah. And work. For a paperless society. Know, right? <laughs> How many worksheets? And of course you don't dare throw it away right. because they worked on it that day. And now this is tragic that right. there's this thing. So we have a work basket mm-hmm. and all the work goes, they show it to me and then they put it in the work basket and it's just this big old basket. Mm-hmm. And I, let it pile up and I don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. But then halfway through the year, sometimes after a quarter, if I'm really feeling ambitious, but definitely halfway through the year because it's full. And then the end of the year, I go through it, mm-hmm. not in front of them. Mm-hmm. But then I pull out the things I really want to keep. Mm-hmm. But it helps me not have to make that decision on a daily basis of am I keeping I this forever. And there's a place for it to go. So that has been a huge thing then for what me. what do you do with it after you've went through it and decided you're saving it? I they each have little plastic bins. They're very small. And so if it doesn't fit in there, I have to clean something else out. Right. And I try to force myself to that. I'm not just adding more and more plastic right. bins. That's to it. it. You have to again, you have to contain yourself right. in a certain way. Because yeah. quite frankly, they're not gonna care about it anyway down the road. Well, I gave you a whole box and I doubt you've went back and read mm. nope. Yeah. Nope. And I, I did. I, I, I finally narrowed it down was I was just going to keep things that you wrote. Right. I kind of do that, too. If it's like the, something they drew from scratch, not like an right. Like yeah. something that was showed their creativity. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But I always thought, you know, someday it might be in the presidential library. So yeah. I have well, to yes. save it. Yeah. No, I agree. But you have to also understand that what you save your children will someday go into their marriage. <laughs> Okay. This is true. <laughs> so let's just talk about Christmas ornaments. That's uh, exactly where my <laughs> mind went. <laughs> so I had this brilliant idea that my children were going to have their own Christmas ornament every year, and it would represent what they had done that year. And so, you know, if you played soccer, you got a soccer player that Christmas, you got whatever it was, and we marked them on the original box, and we stored them every year, and we put them, and then... I thought, I, when someone gave me this wonderful idea, then you present it to your children when they get married, and then they have ornaments for their tree to start with. Well, what you found out is that you now have all these ornaments, and your 
husband has none and it kind of looks like a shrine it does it's like this like shrine to Kelly. so i don't put most of them up because it's awkward so it's a really bad idea don't do it <laughs> don't do it this is not a this is not a christmas podcast but don't do that yeah but i do think there's some things that we have to think about how does this translate into the future yeah yeah does the wife want someday their you know kindergarten graduation cap and gown right probably not probably not yeah and and do we want our kids to have to clean it out later because they're going to toss it in two seconds yes and we've been holding up to it for all this time right i know yeah I know. that's we had a whole to... episode right yeah. there of yeah. what to do with stuff what to do with stuff but yeah i i think when you're cleaning out, I think it's a good thing to get on top of the kids' artwork that they're doing. Yeah. But you don't have to save it all. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, so I will say as as a, a teenager going into high school, mm-hmm. one of the preps that I did um, is I bought a book called every day I'll pray for my teen or something Mm. like that I forget what it was but it was a daily devotional and uh I kept that book through all my kids and I put their initial by on on the page when I was praying for them for that particular but it was about praying for them for their uh self-confidence or you know friendships and everything had a different subject that to pray for them for right different prompts yeah and and it really helped me um not just with my prayers, but with my realization with the struggles that my kids might be going through. Hmm. You know, I don't think we always think about the things that they're having to deal with that we have no idea. Yeah. You know, people might have said things, looks that made them feel insecure. Um, just, yeah. you know, but having... Because we didn't, weren't there to see it, we forget that that has happened. Right. Yeah. And, and so I think, you know, if we can kind of formulate a way that we can make sure that we're praying for them. And as, I remember you used to park across the street from the high school mm-hmm. when it was time to pick us up. And that's where I would and read I the book. And I knew you would read, because you always had the book in the car when we get in the car, and I knew you were sitting there praying for us as we walked out. Yeah. Which was really comforting, you know, yeah. to know that you were being prayed over. Uh, speaking of prayer, one of the things that I think about when I think about going back to school, too, is when I was sending my kindergartner off uh, to kindergarten for the first mm. time. And like a new mama, I was a nervous wreck, Um, you know, and I'm sending my little baby kindergartner off to this big public school, um, and it was hard. And I remember driving over to the school the night before school started, and I remember crying and praying and being like, Lord, I'm I'm trusting you with my baby here, you know, I'm going to bring him to this Mm -hmm. place. And I remember um, God really showing me um, really angels surrounding the school standing guard and we're being reminded that even though I won't be there, mm-hmm. he is. is watching over them. And the peace that that brought me was mm-hmm. just incredible. And it's become an annual tradition for me now the mm-hmm. night before school starts, everybody knows there's goes mama. She's going off to pray. Mm-hmm. And I go to their schools and I just go to the side, you know, go over the parking lot or mm-hmm. the street outside. And, and I sometimes just sit in my van. Sometimes I get out and sit at you know the table or whatever is there. And I pray and it just sets the posture right, mm-hmm. um, you know, of remembering who's in control, praying for those friends that they're going to meet the next day, praying for the teachers, mm-hmm. all those types of things. Um, and it's 
a very sweet time that I really look forward to. I feel like I get with the Lord. Uh, one of my friends went with me this past year, and it was super sweet to be able to pray with her mm. and uh, just pray over those schools and our kids. And um, that's probably my favorite back-to-school tradition, honestly, of all of them. That's a good one. That is that is good. I, it reminds me of back my I remember my mom saying to me when you guys were little, she said, if you're not praying for your kids now, when are you going to start? And that runs in my head a lot. You know, it's like, Hmm. you know, yeah. You know, what is the magic age that you're going to start doing that? Right. Um, Because they need it. Yeah. And I think there's um, a sense of security knowing that your parents are praying for you. You know, Mm -hmm. the idea of I remember seeing that book in the van and I Mm -hmm. knew you were praying for us. My husband talks about how he could hear his mama praying from the other room mm-hmm. um, and knew that she was praying over him. And I, again, if you want to be a prayerful person, when does that start? Right. You know, and so there's no time like the present. And I think setting up those, you know, yeah, that one for me is once a year, but what, setting up rhythms, mm-hmm. you know, that you with the book of setting up the rhythms of I'm praying for them at this particular time, it helps develop that muscle right, to be praying for your kids on a regular basis. Yeah, I was telling um, your daughter the other day that, you know, I have seven grandchildren, and so I have assigned each one of them a day. And she was really upset. She goes, but what if I need prayer on another day? And I'm like, (laughs) got to wait till Thursday, kid. (laughs) You know, but, you know, this idea that I I was trying to tell her the quality of my prayer for you. It's like all day I'm praying for you. Right. All day you're in my mind. Um. And you you get prayers the other days too, but that is my focus day yeah, for you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, because it's easy to forget to pray. Yeah. It really is. Right. When life is going good. That's especially, right? I know. Then we wonder why life gets hard sometimes. Right. So we all pray the first day and then of school and then, right. then later we're like, oh yeah, you oh, know. Yeah. They're going by school. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, 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 we need rhythm. Again, it's all about systems mm. and having accountability on what you know you're supposed to do. Yeah. You may fail. You may not remember right. to do it. You, But if you know that, oh, my goodness, school's starting and we did not clean out the drawers yet, right. at least you know that you need to get to it. Right. Because, it, you know, it's, it's an expectation. And also there's no time like the present to start. I think that's a great word of advice for – um, those may have said, well, I don't pray for my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, why not start now? It doesn't matter how old, how young they are, start praying for them because they may be, they're walking into a new job or they're walking into marriage or they're walking into, you know, different mm-hmm. times in life. Just like we pray for them starting a new school year, um, we should be praying for them. So let's wrap it up with a word of prayer um, over kiddos going back to school. Um, teachers going back to school, starting a new season. Father God, I I thank you, Lord, for the seasons of our lives, Lord, and especially for this one of the start of a a new school year. And Lord, I pray that you would help those of us who are parents to remember to bring our kids uh, before you, Lord. Um, Show us how to develop those rhythms. Lord, I pray for peace as people are preparing. Lord, I pray that you would help us uh, see those systems and see how to walk in those. And Lord, I, I pray right now over the teachers who are maybe sometimes pulling um, both duties, getting their job, their classroom ready for their job, and also getting home. 
ready for their kids to go back to school, Lord. I pray that you would uh, watch over them, give them peace, Lord, and uh, help them keep their eyes on you. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daring to Dream podcast.